the Happy Hour Podcast with your host, Joel Fleischman. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Joel Fleischman Happy Hour Podcast, a very special one indeed. Episode number 33. Uh, welcome, everybody. How are you doing? Hey, welcome, Joel. Frank, Lisa, how are you guys doing? Doing Excellent. great. Great, great, great. So I, I started tradition here. We got a beer. We're doing a virtual one. Well, we'll have coffee over here at Overture. <laughs> Late in the day for coffee. We take these around 340 Central. So. We're on the um, second pot here. <laughs> I love that. I had, somewhere, Joel. I, had a, I had a large cold brew at 1230 yesterday afternoon. And that thing must have been loaded with caffeine because from 10 o'clock at night to 1 a.m. I was, my eyes were like an owl on the wall. So I laid off the caffeine pretty hard today uh, for me. So, yes, welcome. I don't even know what to call this podcast. I would say just helping the people in Haiti. And we have friends here from Overture International. And if I'm saying any of this wrong, you guys fill in the correct dots. You're good so far. Yeah. So, so. Tell me a little bit about you guys selves and, and what is Overture International just to start? So Overture International, um, we focus on sustainable development in Haiti, social, community, and economic development. We work with vulnerable families and children in Southern Haiti. Yeah, and I've, I've had some, uh, about a 10 year relationship. I with Lisa uh, and we've been down there working for a long time. Uh, and it's really has always been about the kids and it still is, but it's kids in families and uh, getting families to be uh, self-sufficient, self-sustaining and uh, be able to take care of those kids. Right. And David, we had mentioned before that you have a small role in this. I don't believe that, but uh, go ahead. Sure. My name is David Chatham. I'm with a group called Angelo Creative. We're a marketing firm. We're Privileged to be able to work with Lisa and Frank and Overture International to help them uh, communicate uh, about the great work that they do there in Haiti. So we've been working with them a little over a year now, I think, Lisa, is that right? And just uh, yeah. um, have been really blessed to be able to do that work and, and help share their story and uh, and just, you know, talk about uh, the, the transformational work they're doing. So we're, we're pleased to be there and and. and take every opportunity to talk about them that we can. So we appreciate this. So my, my first question is why Haiti? I mean, it, personally, right? So there's two questions. Why are you three attached to Haiti and the people there? Uh, and then for people listening in, and maybe the question's the same, but why is that need unique, right? Like you guys could have decided to help out and they all are warranted. Somebody in your backyard, um, Humane Society for Dogs and Cats. I mean, I guess why hate you? Why were you called to it? How do you feel you were called? And I guess what is the need there specifically? What's it like there? Well, I think we were all called or we found our way to Haiti for different reasons. And, and um, but what keeps us there is all the same reason. And through our years in, of work in Haiti, we We've seen the struggles of families and communities that are suffering from generational poverty. We here in the United States are blessed to have a social infrastructure. So when we have needs, we have a crisis with our family, we have somewhere to turn. We have churches, we have social services, we, we have friends, we have family who have resources that come to our aid. And in Haiti, families don't have that. The government ha doesn't have a structure like that in place for families. So when they families are struggling day to day just to provide one meal on the table for their kids, they have nowhere else to turn. As a result, many families become separated. They leave their children in orphanages. Um, the children become restivics, which is like a household slave or the children become street children, or they wind up in prison or in gangs. So we're, we're working to strengthen families. And this is what holds our, our hearts <laughs> to Haiti um, because the need is there. And we are trying to implement a social infrastructure 
for families so that they have resources to turn to in times of need. Okay, well, you're not going to get off that as easy. You're still going to tell me your personal story, but well, <laughs> that, that was that was a really good corporate answer. And I know you had, I know you had, but I can tell you had tears in your eyes saying it. But that was a good that was a good elevator speech. But we're going to go a little deeper. Frank, what is your personal connection? How many times you've been down there? How did you get caught? I mean, again, you're not you're not from Haiti. You, you know, right. you, uh, you didn't you weren't born on a mission somewhere. So how how did you get involved? Uh, what called out to you? How did that work? And Lisa started a good journey of what the needs down there, but I guess in your words. Right. Yeah, I, I think uh, for me, I was uh, in the Coast Guard for 20 years. And uh, there was a period in, in the mid-90s when uh, people from Cuba and Haiti were jumping on a raft and trying to get to, to the U.S., right? And the Coast Guard was in charge of interdicting them and taking them back. And uh, some got through, and but most of them went back, and it that that's what peaked it in my mind. And then when I left the service uh, and began to donate to the to the forerunner of this particular organization, um, I got an opportunity when I was doing some work in the Middle East as a consultant to to go to Haiti, and and even help out a little bit. Um, so I was just a donor. Uh, and eventually, uh, as I got to the end of my consulting career, I, I felt this call and an opportunity came up after Hurricane Matthew just destroyed Haiti to, to step into a role as a leader in the, in the organization and uh, help you know, manage the donations coming in and, and, and really focus on the direction of the organization for the future. And that's, that's where the fun began. Uh, and you know, four years later, we're here with Overture. We're on a different path in terms of uh, helping families uh, and transitioning away from the orphanage, which we've done. So we don't. There's no more orphanage there, but we focus on child development, and that's what it's all about. Haiti is not some godforsaken country. God's at work there, and we need to do our best work and not mess up what God is actually producing. And uh, and that's a challenge because we as Americans have a God complex in some ways that we're successful because of our own success. And it, it, it it's not that, it's, it's from above. So um, once you get past that and you become more of a servant uh, to the folks in Haiti and appreciate what God is doing there, uh, you can join in and, and be real productive. So that's been kind of my transition from when I started thinking about it to to, to now. So is it is it fair to say you're almost trying too hard? Is that what you're saying? Like, hey, we I can fix this. I I know how to fix this yeah. as an American. And I think like, yeah, uh, yeah. Work. Well, I th I think we 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 really start to believe our own uh, success is derived from our from us. And I think there's a there's cultural aspects and whatever, but you know material success isn't. There's a lot of people that are materially successful and not happy in life, and it's really all about um, honoring the family, honoring the children, the potential there, the human potential there, uh, and how we can contribute on their terms, not on our terms. And the mistake that a lot of people who donate to Haiti and work in Haiti is is that they go down there with a mindset that's not Haitian. And we have to humble ourselves and try to learn as much as we can about the people there that we're helping and and then let God uh, direct our efforts. And that's that's taken a lot of work. I mean, it's taken many, many years to get there. And for me, it's been over a decade, so. That makes sense a lot. And were you on the Coast Guard that actually intercepted the rafts or you just knew would, about that through the no I, yeah i was not i was in uh telecommunications and and it and part of my job was to manage the communications flow between our command centers and the ships that were out there doing the work and so i i learned about it through that i learned about it through uh, friends of mine who were on ships who were in guantanamo bay you know at the uh meeting center they it was a they would take them there and then they would take them back home. Uh, and then hearing the stories uh, about people who are actually in country dealing with 
uh, the, the problems there. So uh, that's how I got. So geography question, because not all of us are geography experts may be listening. Where is Haiti? What's that island look like? You know, what are we talking about? Because I, I think sometimes it seems like a faraway place. So, you know, they talk about Cuba being 90 miles um, south of Florida, right? Haiti's the next island over. It's uh, it's an island called Hispaniola. It's got uh, on the on the uh, eastern side is the Dominican Republic. Punta Cana. What's that? Punta Cana, right? The Dominican Republic. Exactly. I say it that way, like Punta Cana. Like I've been to Punta Cana. Like it's yeah. not Haiti. Like it's, no, it's a gem. No. Like, like it's, you go to the Dominican and it's a gem, right? It's a, it's a it's an absolute diamond gem. At least the, the illusion of that is behind the. Illusion. the Yep. Behind and the, course, uh, they've, they've all these the compound um, of the uh, all inclusive places, right? The awesome yeah, the resorts there and everything, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, give that certain impression. And that's half of the island? Half the island, there's like a dividing line that's north and south, and the other half is Haiti. And if you look at it from the air, it's denuded, forests are gone, there's erosion, there's, you know, the water is murky in places. It's not the same. Uh, island and i mean they might as well just chop it in half and move it miles so apart historic historically what happened why is it haiti what happened what what was the well it was a slave state you know, okay. a lot of uh, it was french and the way the french uh and uh, had you know got slaves and worked with slaves um wasn't much different from us but they it the dynamic was that the slaves revolted and kicked the French out. Was it uninhabited? No. Prior to that, no. There, there were natives. There were natives that were there, and many of the African slaves that were brought over, you know, mixed mm -hmm. with the the local folks. So it should and have been a great story. Like that's a cool capitalist American dream, right? The slaves won. Like, so why? What hap What happened? That? How did it? Do they weren't educated. Okay. Yeah. They weren't. They were oppressed their whole lives, and they weren't educated, and they they had they didn't have the abilities and the resources to rebuild after the revolution. Right, and they the didn't have a structure in place. Right, mm -hmm. the institutions weren't set up, and it was uh, the French. The French and the English systems are way different, and so the French system didn't work there. It wasn't set up right. And then what happened was there was a oh, series. French, wait, did French have half the island and English have half the island? Is that what the, no, the Dominican means? Spanish had the other half. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, so the Spanish is Dominican side. Yeah. So between okay. the, the English, the Americans, the French, and the Spanish, they kept putting their fingers in the pie there and messed mm -hmm. it up. Right. And it never was able to grow and develop on its own. Uh, and so right now you have a lot of the a fallout from all of that and Haiti's struggling. No government, the institutions are not there. Yeah. It's really tough. So what is the, uh, I consider myself an average American, true or not, you know, we kind of, we all think we're the average American, maybe we're not. But what is the average Haitian family looks like? What makes how much and what's their nine to five look like? Where do they live? What does that look like? Hmm. Very different than here. <laughs> so the families we work with, of course, live in extreme poverty. So they make less than $3 a day. Um, their homes are maybe a few pieces of tin siding, um, a roof made of tin with rocks holding it on. Sometimes it's um, wood um, with mud that's holding it together or for security. Sometimes they don't have but one room, if that, um, dirt floor. Um, no like, sanitation, no no running water. And they have a, commu a, a, a communal bathroom or? No. Go, just go outside or? They go outside. Some of them will have um, what they call a um, African toilet. Um, right made but um but most of them do not have sanity proper sanitation no electric no electric no electric in the community maybe no electricity mm -hmm. and what's the 
what's the economy, right? Uh, I've heard they don't really have an economy. There's really no jobs. So what do they do for the $3 a day? What, what is available? So many of the families go to the markets and they sell farming goods, um, products that they can, they could obtain. Um, there's construction. And this is one reason our work is so important um, with you guys in building homes, uh, because we do create a working community. Every, every time we build a house, we create a working community. Do the people in Haiti work in the Dominican? Do they, or is usually the Haitians stay with the Haitians? And is it just two different cultures, two different countries? I mean, it's too different. I don't think there's yeah. a lot that goes. There's not a, there's not not a, a lot. lot right. Transports a lot. Okay. I didn't know. I, mean, I don't think the Dominicans overly friendly to Haitians. Um, okay. You know, they would consider them refugees, let's say. That would go. Yeah. Uh, just so, one so thing about the economy, Joel. Um, I, I I like to tell people there is an economy there. It's incredibly informal, though. If you think about the construction guys who 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 you hire, you know they're you're kind, it's kind of corporate, and and people who work for you have a job. But if I were a tradesman, I'd have to be out there selling myself and my capability to uh, get people to hire me. But generally, they're going to do it within the family. I'm going to hire a family member and not you because I don't know you. So, so people who can actually uh, get a trade have a leg up. People who have a family tie have a leg up. Mm -hmm. um, but, but it's very informal. So, you know, a lot of the young people who left the orphanage when we had an orphanage struggle with this because they had no connection. They they weren't with their family. Uh, they literally were on their own and trying to make a way. Um, we've helped a lot of those young people mm -hmm. through our business training program. So we're trying to show them how to sell themselves, how to make connections, how mm -hmm. important it is to run an ethical business, how important it is to have good customer service and this sort of thing. And they're starting to get it. And, and in fact, we had a group just open a barbershop from our recent graduate uh, group. So that's a pretty big step for a 20, 21 year old kid who's got nothing, yeah. you know, but you can, there is an economy there, but it's, we would never probably be able to survive in it. <laughs> it's not a thriving economy. Yeah, It's not thriving. It's not that's thriving. For sure. But, but there is, there is a lot, you know, there are people that graduate and, and do professional things Our social workers, I would say yeah. are professionals. There are teachers that are professionals. There are people in the government. Uh, such as it is that, that that are professionals that that have kind of matriculated up, but that's rare. That's rare. But any of the the institutions like the public school systems that rely on the government are suffering because they they don't support those school systems well. They don't pay the teachers well. Many times the teachers will go a couple months without pay from the government. Right. Um, so so it's very difficult. Um, to, to have resources that are provided by the government for families to turn to. And, and David, for those watching along and listening in, David, we've just, you've just been listening in. So like, who's this guy? Yeah. So David, if you want to give us a, give us a little, and not only has been listening in, I was like, yeah, I'm learning some stuff. So David, what's your, I know you're a supporting arm of this, but uh, fill us in what you know, your spin on it, uh, your intel, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, you know, I learned something new from Lisa and Frank and the team every day. It's funny. I was just talking to Lisa, I think it was yesterday or day before, and and I, had, I thought I had this great idea to help get, we, we struggle as marketing people. We want to have, you know, really good images of the work, like the houses that you're helping to build there. You know, and we've talked about this with your team as to how difficult it is to get those pictures. So I had this idea of, hey, why don't we just get a, a, an SD card and get that SD card, take pictures, and then just mail it. You know, we're not in a hurry. And Lisa's like, Lisa's like David, there is no mail system in Haiti. And I, I, had, I had no clue. There, there, there isn't a post, postal service in Haiti. So, you know, I, it just, it blew my mind to think, okay. That blows I my mind. That blows yeah. my mind. Exactly. A couple hundred miles from Florida, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Couple, it's the year 2021. I couldn't move there and no one could get a hold of me. Do they have a like a cell phone system? They do have a cell phone system. 
now it in it but it it's it's is it reliable it's no. it's, it's it's ubiquitous <laughs> it's everywhere everybody's got cell phones yeah, i always think about haiti is it's night it's 1850 but with cell phones yeah you know? and every world lives on cell phones these you know minimally capable cell phones that they can text on and talk on and but uh, there's there's two sales services yeah. in haiti um and they they are weak at times because they're overloaded well so, lisa, lisa we, will call us from haiti and she's like on top of a building somewhere yeah you know, talking to us because she's trying to get service so there's no wi-fi yeah, no wi-fi joel no none of the things that we take for granted here just doesn't exist so you know as we're trying to tell those stories to to with uh, to the folks that lisa and them want to communicate to whom they want to communicate you know that's some of the challenges we face and and you know just really leaning into that and going you know what that's part of the story right is not being able to get those pictures and not being able to to get you know to get videos and to, you know those sorts of things it, it it really is a challenge because it's just it is basically you know a third world country in in many respects so uh, and I'm learning about that every day, which is humbling as well as exciting in many ways, because the work that I've seen and, and uh, that, that Frank and Lisa and her team and Esqua do on the ground there uh, truly is transforming these communities because it's empowering them to be independent, to be sustainable. And it's not making them dependent on a particular organization or or anyone else for that matter. It's helping them to create a community that is self-sustaining. And that model to me is one that is going to be more likely to be successful for the long term. Um, you know, the, the houses you guys are helping to build there are being built to last literally, right? To withstand hurricanes. Right. So, you know, they're, they're not going to go away likely with the next storm they're going to be able, they're not going to have to spend a year rebuilding some place to live because they're now going to be able to move on to that next important um, effort and maybe helping a neighbor, maybe helping a neighboring community so that they start to create a network like, you know, in some form like we have. So, um, yeah, I, I get excited when I talk about it because it's just, you know, it, it's so foreign but yet it, it, there's still hope, right? I mean, it's, it's not a hopeless situation. And that's, that's where folks like you and the other folks who support Overture um, really come into play and are so generous that, you know, you're creating opportunities for generations to come. It's not just about, you know, mm -hmm. the next 10 years. It's about decades, if not centuries of helping people to, helping a nation to overcome, you know, just, systemic uh you know uh, challenges that they face for centuries so you know mother Teresa always said uh or often said i think is uh you know you take one pebble and it makes the ripple effect we've all heard that right so i think right. you're alluding to that it can it can ripple not only in our generation it can do that for a long time and that's where god gets involved right because it's yeah. the small it's you know mother Teresa constantly said it's the smallest things not the greatest things, which I think Frank was alluding to. Yes, a great, powerful orphanage is amazing, but perhaps it's wiser in the smallest gestures. Well, um, just so helping someone, hard. just helping someone invest in building in a in a concrete mixer, a small hand cranked concrete mixer, right, can change their life forever because yeah. it gives them a trade and it puts them in a position of being independent and being able to to do something that contributes to the greater good of the community so you know it's those simple things right uh that, and again you know we have concrete trucks going down the road every day and we take it for granted and these folks you know we're talking about building a school right now in uh, tiburon and you know we're talking about getting lisa having to uh procure enough concrete mix to start building hand to build blocks by hand basically right yeah. to be able to build the school so you know it's it it literally is a whole different level 
So now you see why I haven't talked so much. So, no, no, that's great. You're doing great. You made up for it, David. Please, please, you're doing great. Leads me, from, leads me to my next question is, I just heard that. I'm, I'm watching, listening in. And I said, I have a construction company. We're going to come down and build that school. Well, and again, it's not as easy as we think, right? How dangerous is Haiti right now for Americans? How uh, are you guys going down? Um, I know they've had very, I don't know, toxic government, mafia, mob. I don't know what you all call it, but yeah. it was, I mean, I know for a while talking to Frank and Lisa, nobody's going in, nobody's coming out and we can't even get supplies there. So where is it at right now? It's still, it's still pretty dangerous um, because of the gangs and the protest, um, the political status. Um, there has been a lull this last month because they're they are um, preparing a referendum, I think, mm. uh, with the government. So, you know, that's to come in the next month. So we don't know what it's going to look like, but it it's remaining pretty um, active with the gangs and the violence. Uh, what makes it difficult for? for our organization and where we work is that we have to get from Port-au-Prince to Lakai. Um, so it doesn't sound like that would be that difficult, but there's one road and getting through that road through the gangs makes it very difficult. So it's been, um, it's prevented us from bringing mission groups in and, and teams in. Mm -hmm. We but have- But Lisa, you still go, like, how does that look? Like when you're taking that one road, like, you have security guards behind you, in front of you. Is it like a movie scene? You got military helping you? Or are you just like actually, playing no. a rosary? Like, what are you doing? Actually, no. Um, I, you know, to be quite honest with y'all, I really don't get nervous going into Haiti. I don't know why God's got my back on it. Um, <laughs> so I just... Well, you have a lot of faith, I can tell. I well, don't, I think, I don't, I think I don't keeping worry a low profile it. too helps. But I we mean, don't we don't use a lot of security and we don't use we don't make those big entrances. Um yeah. so when we go in we we travel as normal and um of course we don't announce when we're going in. So Yeah, you yeah. don't you gotta situational awareness. You understand the yeah. situation. You understand the, uh, you know, you don't do things that are stupid. Uh, you travel during the day, uh, this kind of thing. And I'm, like I said, it almost feels like you're back in the uh, Middle Ages or whatever, and you're not going to travel at night, and there's certain things you're going to do. Um, and the local, our, so I think we should also talk about our local staff down there. Um, they're phenomenally devoted to the mission mm -hmm. and yeah, um, to our security. When we go in there, they consider us their guests, and and they, they don't they don't depend on us to do the work to come in and do the work. Correct. Um, for example, you just mentioned you, your construction company um, coming in to Haiti, so we would bring you in as a guest and to to, to visit the mission and to visit the work in the communities and to see the impact that you guys are making by contributing right. and providing the resources. But when we as Americans come in and do the work, we take away hundreds of jobs. Um, so our goal is to, to create working communities and, and give people jobs. If we've been blessed with your investment in Haiti, and to empower families and communities, then we're gonna use that investment and we're gonna make sure that there is an economy and people are benefiting from that work, that they get jobs, they get to go home and feed their families. They get to learn a skill that can last, that they can do something with when they get finished with that job. So so if I went on overinternational.com, is that what it is? Overture.international. Over Overture dot international to get that right overture dot international i went on that website got up my credit card i feel called to give you money i give you i have a lemonade stand and i raise a hundred dollars where does that money go to and how can i be sure of that so we account for that money um here at overture the home office you're you're visiting it right now 
<laughs> very corporate, I can tell. I can see where all the money goes. Yeah. <laughs> it's my base. Well, and that's, that's the truth. I mean, you can you can touch us, you can talk to us. We're very accessible. So. We we have a skeleton crew here in the United States, basically. It's about five of us yeah. um, that work in the United States. We invest in our staff in Haiti. Uh, we have a great team of social workers. We have schools that we support. We have more than 1,300 students that we assure has backpacks, school supplies, tuition paid, is able to go to school every day and have a hot lunch. Um, we are building homes in Haiti. We're building um, community centers, um, a relief dome. We conduct food distributions. We have workshops for families. We most importantly invest time into families and communities through our trainings. Um, we're not an organization who is going to give a handout. <laughs> so we don't go in and give a cash transfer and say, hey, this is $80 or $100 for you to start a business. And we call that a success. We don't do that. We give training. We held eight week training courses for families to come. And if they get through that eight weeks, then we have another series of training that they can go through. So they have support and they can grow along the way so that they can create their business. Now we'll invest in a family when they've invested their time in learning. And so that's the, I think that's where your money goes <laughs> is the time and the, the investment of people that we have to train families. Well, I, I, you know, I hate to act like I'm a, I'm a guy that knows a lot about the Bible because I, I don't, not enough anyway. But I think in Luke, you know, there was a, a parable Jesus said, and he gave everybody, you know, whatever that was. Let's call it a hundred bucks, right? And, and one picked a hundred dollars, made it into a thousand, and one burying it because he was afraid afraid of his master. And one went times five, and the one at times ten. Jesus said he did right, right? The yes. one that buried it got condemned. And, and I think that $100 you're going to give to Overture.International uh, is going to be that one that turns into 1000 right? Because you're, 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 you're making a bigger impact than just taking the 100 and flipping it somewhere. And yeah. what, of course, Jesus really doesn't want you to do is bury it, right? You don't, don't bury it in a pile of sand for a rainy day. That's not, that's not God's way either. So, mm -hmm. so my connection with you guys, and you alluded to it a couple of times, but people are listening like, what in the hell are they talking about? is my story with Haiti, which is really odd in a sense, because uh, I wasn't called to that at all. I've never been called to a mission. Uh, I've been to different countries, but I was as an American, if you will, uh, stayed at some swanky place and I have fancy pina coladas, which I guess there's a time and place for that too. But uh, so I, there's a, a local Catholic parish here and they're very involved in overture and they talked to me about it and um, we had an opportunity here uh, we are a drexel building supply and we uh we don't we do not have construction companies that was an example we supply to construction companies so we're a building material supplier uh, but we are starting a new venture which is um, off-site construction we build homes in factories or off-site construction means we do what we can in a factory and then we bring it on site to get over the labor problem and efficiencies of jobs. Um, kind of a, not a new thing to do, but something that we're very um, into. And we wanted to do, I've always liked that Tom shoes, buy a pair, get a pair. Right. Um, uh, Bama socks, if I'm saying that right. Um, so we, I'm like, that's, that's kind of a cool thing. So I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. So I'm like talking to, to you guys and, uh, about different things and I didn't know how we could help. And we helped a little bit in other ways. And then it was like, that's it. I think that's what, and I, I think I've talked to you, you guys about this is to me, at least the Holy Spirit, if, if you're sitting there listening, like God never talks to me, like the Holy Spirit, at least to me, and I've talked to other people, it's like this little whisper that you just don't want to hear this little seed nugget. And it'll vaporize if you ignore it. And that's why we can, I think that's devil's work getting us busy. So we just ignore that little word. And I think that's why we're called in nature and, we should pray and meditate and all that stuff because you got to take time to listen. Otherwise, it just you get busy. But anyways, uh, speeding up the story. So uh, we wanted to start a thing called Paul's, which is uh, people that 
people advanced in using lumber systems, which is their offsite construction. Um, and that was started by a guy named Paul Krause, who was a local carpenter here, passed away of cancer. Um, he's never been able to see this vision, but we named it after him. So it's Paul's. And so our website is Pauls.homes. And if a homeowner builds with all of our materials an offsite job through us, uh, we will donate a home to Overture uh, to get that going. So uh, we just started this, so we don't have this massive success story like Tom's right now. But we did, as a gift at Christmas to launch this to our team, we did one home for every location. That was eight. And now, um, they weren't able to join us today on this. I asked them to, but they just were too busy. We do have a home going up right now, about 20 miles away. That'll be home number nine. Um, people can go to this website. They can apply to be part of it, build the materials to us. But we have big plans that we can do uh, many, many more. Now, can um, you deliver to North Carolina, Joel? <laughs> yes, sir. I just got to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Can't just say no to that. Yeah, yeah I mean, we're, we're re we are regional here in Wisconsin, uh, but we have delivered materials all throughout the country. So uh, we go where our builders go. So, uh, but that's that's kind of the connection here, and, and what we think is going to be uh, awesome tie-in for that. In fact, you can go to our website and with your guys' help. You can see the pictures. You can see the families. You can see the towns we built this in. Um, we did. If you if you have if you're saying, man, that's cool. Where do we get all that information? Um, if you've ever read the book, Promise of a Pencil uh, was part of this inspiration. So uh, he went out on a mission and it all started with a pencil and he built schools around the around the world at this point. But that's kind of my side of it a little bit. So I'm always so happy to talk to you people uh, and get more of that information and to share the story. Because uh, I do think for some reason I'm kind of called to help the people in Haiti at this point. So as well. And we do help people here as well. And everybody needs help some way or shape or form uh and you know i think you guys said early on well we can't wait to show you down there i'm like i don't know if i'm ever coming i just want to help <laughs> <laughs> well i'll tell you i'll tell you what it, it's uh again different different deal so in the u.s you build a house you got a nuclear family or a, a some type of family that's that's living together in haiti a good house like this mm -hmm is gonna bring multiple generations into the same household. It may bring extended family members into the same household. And so it really is something that brings families together. And, and Haitian families are a little different in that you have to have multi-generational and, and extended family because you don't know who's, who's gonna have the, bring the resources into the family. Yeah. And so, so the more you have together, the more synergies that you create within this uh, structure. And it does things that you would never dream that it would do. Mm -hmm. So isn't that, isn't that kind of true though? The more you lean on the family, you're better your life anyway, right? I mean, absolutely, absolutely. Something to kind of learn from that, right? I agree, totally yes. agree. So can you explain to me what this house is, right? Again, we're Americans. If you think, we think it's gonna be a wood structure with a roof. What, when, when if somebody would go to Pauls.homes, in Wisconsin and do this, or if, or if somebody would just go to Overture and National and say, I just want to give you money. I just want to build up. I want to do this too. I want to just build somebody a house. What does that house look like? And, and you know, like what is the particulars of the house? So it's a cinder block house. Um, well, it's, it's um, with rebar, I, solid foundation, about a seven to 10 inch foundation, yep. um, 10 roof. Um, it is secured a little bit more firmly than most tin roofs in Haiti. Um, we secure the roofs with rebar, um, concreted into the beams. It's a three to four room home, dependent on the family. It has a porch, um, has an area in the house that can be a bathroom. Depending on the area we're building, we can't always put um, the bathroom in the home and put a septic tank system in. Um, it all depends on where we're building. Now we tend to go to the worst of the worst locations. Um, so building a home in this community sometimes doesn't just help one family. Like Frank said, it will help five families because there'll be family members in five different shacks living around they'll come together to cook their meals. They'll share resources of uh, 15 people. There may be 
two people that are actually bringing money in that are actually going out and working and supporting 15 people. So when one home is built for that family, you're helping that whole small community of people. That's great. Well, thank you. And they do have, does it have an electricity or do most communities not have the grid work to most, get the electricity right? Most communities do not have electricity or, or the ability to get that. That's absolutely, I know David shakes his head too. To me, that's just wild, right? It's just wild. Well, yeah. I'm, a, I'm amazed that these things have septic systems in it. It's, it consists yeah. of basically a 55 gallon drum, right? And mm -hmm. so the material goes in there and then it's got a little leach field, which is like a drain pipe that runs through rock and it perks down and it works just like one. It's very simple, mm -hmm. uh, but, and then of course, no running water, right? So you're hauling yeah. You're hauling a bucket of water and you're dumping the stuff and it goes out the septic system. I mean, it's an amazing thing. It's manual, but it works. Yeah. Um, wow. And the great thing, Joel, about each one of those houses you're building is also putting, what, Lisa, dozens of people to work. Is that right? Yeah. You know? 10 to 12 uh, and the, and the, the more consistent that pipeline is of people buying your Paul's homes to, uh, to right. have that one for one model, is going to help keep those people continuously employed and working and, and gaining more skills and getting that next generation of people trained and uh, equipped to, to move on. So, you know, I, it, it goes even beyond just having a home to being a, an economic model, uh, at least one piece of an economic model that, uh, you know, the other thing that I think real quick that Lisa, and that, the, that the team on the ground does is they actually have quite a bit of acreage that they they allow families to farm so that oh. they're able to have income from the the farming that they take to the market and sell uh, as well. So, you know, again, there's these different revenue streams that are available that, again, uh, ESPA and Overture are not giving them this money. They're giving them the opportunity to earn the money to help become independent and sustainable. And it's just a great model. That's really cool. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, we say that here, you know, construction is its own economy uh, to the right. point that if you go to a local gas station early in the day, it's mostly tradesmen, right? So we said if we build enough of these homes up here, we have quick trips everywhere, little gas stations, and eventually they'll just have quick trips there where everybody's getting their donuts, right? Yeah, I, can, I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. You get a little coin in the pocket and and that that's where it goes, you know? Yeah. So. Got to get your coffee and donut before you get to the job site. Absolutely. So uh, we, we, we got a lot. We went through a lot. I could ask you guys questions all day and then I, I always, uh, but we got to get to the last question that we always ask. So we'll get to a little bit more know about you. So you get one big giant billboard. It can be anything, a picture. It can be funny. It can be humorous. It can be whatever it is. It's a quote. It can be your quote, somebody else's quote. What billboard would you put up? And then if you could tell us why. Well, I'll have to answer from the corporate side. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. She is, I couldn't like I couldn't like break anything of the face. Yeah. Of the company, right? I'm sorry because I live, eat, and breathe Overture um, and our work in Haiti. That's you know. that's all I do. From all right, <laughs> all right. Well, okay, that's that. So I'm talking Overture. I am talking to Lisa. It's all in the same. Yeah, that, right. that's a wonderful thing. Haiti love Haiti strong. So we love the families that we serve. And we love equipping them in ways that they can become strong, independent, and self-sustaining. And that's the heartbeat of everything that we do. And I think I speak confidently for my entire team in Haiti when I say that. Wonderful, Lisa. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Frank? Yeah, I, I, I think it would be a black, all black uh, background with, with white letters, probably block capital. God's got this. Dot, dot, dot. And I mean, I, I think that's been a motto that I've used from my time in the in the service to even the time uh, as a consultant. And, you know, that the next job, I don't know where that's coming from, but God's got this uh, to to our work in Haiti, you know, and even going there. You know, God's got our back in terms of our safety. Yeah. And and again, I can't re emphasize this more. It's um it's not about us going down there and doing it. It's about God doing the work through us and through what we are able to provide. And if we're able to walk with those folks in Haiti, living their life, letting them 
uh, come up with their own solutions to problems and whatever. And we trust that God's got that process. We're going to be all the better. So I think that works for me. Well, Frank, every time I've ever talked to you or seen you or, or on a video, you've always had so much joy within yourself. And it's probably from God's got this. Cause I do think when you just give up and just don't try so damn hard, yeah. there is a peace that comes <laughs> over you and a joy and a grace uh, even just with the, with this pandemic, people were just trying to fight it so damn hard. Yes. And if you'd have just said, "God's got this," yes, that does not not mean I'm vulnerable. Does not mean we don't have issues. But again, the joy and peace and grace uh, that God will provide you once you give up is something that I've seen come through you every time I did talk to oh. you. So I appreciate well, that. Not in control, Thank you. Are we? Well, and there's a there's a freedom in <laughs> that. There's a freedom in that. Um, yeah, yeah there really. Yeah. 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 And David, for you. Yeah. uh, I think I've mentioned to you, I'm a billboard junkie. My wife and I, we drive down the road and we rate billboards. Just, you know, the best ones are like four words, you know, Geico motorcycle insurance. That's that's it. Right. That's that's it. We're going to do this right now. I think in my lifetime, last 20 years, they're getting way worse. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like they used to be better and now like like again guys like me and you i'm like this isn't that hard like you're zooming by you got they got like phone numbers and addresses like yeah that looks cool on your computer like the fonts like that big i'm like nobody's reading it yeah yeah Yeah, i get it is there all before we get to yours is there like one that you're like that's a 10 that one nailed it that, that stands out or or a well or geico or, got it down there the yeah, uh, cracker barrel cracker barrel it's like cracker barrel breakfast all day next exit right I mean, that's, that's it right? <laughs> so i mean that's, you know, that's, that's what i want to know that's all you need to know so yeah, i get it you know so I, I i always wanted if i ever did a billboard i wanted to be like the live guy on the billboard like get a tent like and like for one week i'm just on the billboard, like a porta potty and a tent, and I'm like, yeah, hey, they could come up and visit me. And you're driving by, I'm like, is that dude still up there? Right? Like, I'm just waving to people and yeah. on my phone, I'm doing interviews and you know, grilling out at night. Like, that's I, right. Because right. I'm always like staring at that billboard for life. I'm like, is that where that guy used to hang out? Does he gonna do that again? It's an interactive experience, right? Yeah, it would be an interactive experience. If I ever did a billboard, I'd try to make it interactive. Yeah. So anyway, so that's probably more information than you need to know. But No, it's great. <laughs> I, would, I would make sure that this is on a route that I go every day so that I see it because it's something I need to remember. And you, you and Frank actually hit on it is joy. And that's Jesus, mm. others, yourself, right? Mm. And Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And you know, for me, I mean, I see Frank and Lisa live this out every day. So, you know, it's uh, it's a reminder to me. But, if, you know, if I can if I can put myself at the end of the list, serve Jesus and serve others, um, you know, it, everything else is going to take care of itself. So and, and you know, I, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But it's uh, I do know that when I do it, life is a whole lot better for me and everybody around me. you know that's interesting but i do think some people struggle with that too much so i'll challenge you on that a bit Uh oh and maybe not for you but you've got to really fix yourself first before you can help others right jesus always comes first but but like if you're not like i think in our society and culture sometimes uh you know i have i have a a younger family and i see these soccer moms you call them right they live their life through their kids and they live their life for their career. But, but where are you at? You know, if, when you ask some of these people and you know these people, these really busy, intense people, maybe materialistic, whatever you want to call them, chasing some sort of earthly success. Right. And you really talk to them saying, how are you doing, right? Because everything's good. Facebook's good. Everything's good. Oh, little Jimmy got a, a hit. We got a huge thing and this and new career. But how are you doing? Right. And man, all yeah, of a sudden, all of a sudden you can see it. They're like, yeah. But see, I so, think that's the difference though. The when you're being sacrificial and helping yeah. others, that's the difference of yourself trying to uh, acquire something or to achieve something, right? So I think to me, if I'm focused on serving others and putting them first and doing that in my day to day activities, 
and, and I'm certainly not suggesting that we sacrifice self-care or, or any of those things, but I, I think that part of our challenge in society today is that we're too worried about ourselves and not worried about others, right? That we're worried yeah. about being offended or we're worried about um, our own success more than others. I find that if I lift others up, that God's going to lift me up, right? And if I, if I, so that I, I get what you're saying, and I certainly would not recommend anybody sacrifice, you know, do something that would be harmful to themselves. But I also think that having a posture of sacrifice is a much healthier posture than one of selfishness, right? So I'm, I'm still ready to build on high. Don't don't take this the wrong way. I thought it was great, but yeah, you smile at the world, and they smile back at you, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's how the world works, and that yeah. and that's how it should work. So yeah, the more yeah. you give, the more you get. I, I didn't realize that. I was going to have to defend my choice. That I appreciate. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Joe Rogan, but I'm like that close, right? Like this is like you didn't. Think I appreciate the pushback, Joe. <laughs> this, this is episode 33. I mean, we're, yeah. we go deep. We go deep. Wow. Yeah. You said it first, the Jesus first, because our our relationship with. With, with Jesus has to be be there before we do anything. And um, because I'll tell you, when you tackle the work we do in Haiti, um, when you tackle the work you do as a mom and a dad, you've got to rely and lean on that relationship. Yeah. And, oh, man. I, and I think you guys, I don't think, if, yeah. and you, do, you guys do God's work, but even if you do a boring job like work at a lumber yard, you still yeah. got temptations. You still got to remind Jesus first every day that yeah. that, that evil forces are out there and they're coming hard. You know, they yeah. come hard. So, no, yeah. I appreciate all of you. I appreciate all of you so much. Is there anything else I forgot or you'd like to add in? No, I just want to say thank you, Joel, because um, you guys have been an answer to prayer. So to not just our organization, but to the families in Haiti. And these families are in desperate need. And, and you guys just stepped in at a time that we had, we have such a long list of families and you guys stepped in at a time where I was able to make that call to Haiti and say, Hey, the next eight families have homes and you could hear the tears from our team because they care about the family so much and they know how, how much this was going to impact their lives. So I just yeah. want to share Say thank you and share a thank you from our team. Yeah. Well, sincerely, I hope we're just getting started. Amen. I hope these are just. I hope that this is just the mustard seed to grow a big tree. So we'll see what happens. Thank you all. Yeah. Yeah. Thank all right. you. Well, great work on all of this. We're so grateful for that relationship. So you're 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 setting a, a real example and you're making a difference. So thank you. All right, great. Well, keep praying for us as we pray for you, and you guys keep up the good deeds. Okay. Yeah. Thanks Amen. for coming on. I appreciate it. Be good. Peace. All right. Thank you. you. Take care. Thanks, guys.